Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. So the title of my conversation, I just said right ahead, is Living in Two Worlds. Living in Two Worlds. Romans 12 and verse 1. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, (laughs) that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, I remember when I moved to the U.S. for school, this was, wow, 2001, believe it or not. This was just about a month before the, you know, the attack on the Twin Towers. Um, I left my home country of Nigeria, came to school in the U.S., landed in Philadelphia, spent a couple of days with an uncle, and he drove me to school, um, Howard University in Washington, D.C. I was 16. Um, and very green, actually, very, <laughs> very green. And I remember very well that one of the things that happened was that I had a bit of a cultural shock, just a little bit of a cultural shock. I couldn't um, understand and reconcile some of the things that I experienced or I was experiencing or seeing or witnessing or being a part of in the U.S. Obviously, I lived in Nigeria my whole life, um, and here I was, 16-year-old, being planted in this new culture, and I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to understand how a student would address a professor in class with what I thought, what I thought, okay, at that time was <laughs> lacking respect. And um, how students would have, you know, this is, you know, the culture at the time, uh, really nice cars, you know, SUVs and come to school. And I was like, I don't understand, like, what exactly is going on here um, in this culture? I remember specifically one, one of the incidents I remember that, came, that comes to mind was I grew up in a house, of course, you guys might, might know I have four brothers, so we're five boys plus X number of cousins we used to hang around. So we had a very full house, very active house. We were always playing. We were very active boys. And so my mom, in her wisdom, what she would often do on an average day is that she would just buy, every single day she would buy fresh loaves of bread, sliced bread, all right? She's coming home from work and she would just dump those loaves of bread on the, uh, you know, on, on the dining table and she would put what we used to call tea at the time, okay? Apparently, it's not tea. It's hot chocolate, all right? But we used to call it tea. Hot chocolate and milk. So, as guys, we play, we go outside. We had a big compound. We play, play, play. When we're done and tired, we'll come in. We'll just help ourselves to some bread and go back out and play. So, she didn't even bother, like, you know, making elaborate meals and maybe, like, evening time or stuff like that. So, th- that was my life. And so, I got to the U.S. I remember my first time. Second week I was in school, I went to the cafeteria and I went, you know, morning time breakfast and I looked around and had all these assortments of stuff. It was buffet style breakfast. It was paid for, part of your meal plan. And I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. So I went to the bread section, of course, which I'm very familiar with. I got myself bread, but I used to eat bread in large quantities. Don't laugh at me, please. Then it was like eight slices of bread. Uh, True story. And I had my plate stacked high with eight slices of bread. And I was asking around, uh, where is tea? And this dude pointed me to actual tea. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is not tea. I mean, I mean tea. So eventually I found my hot chocolate. 
and I was eating my bread with butter and hot, and hot chocolate. And these girls, these two babes, came to my table and started laughing at me because my bread, there was, everybody had like two slices of bread. Here I was with eight slices of bread on my I was looking at them like, what's wrong with you? Like, are you guys nuts? I got to realize later that you actually eat like two slices of bread and you have protein and eggs and other things with it. But just my life, right? I was living in this new world. I was trying to get used to it. I was trying to figure it out as I went along. Um, so the girls actually advised me later on that they were laughing at me because I had eight slices of bread, eight on my, on my plate, believe it or not. So one of the things that happens to us, which is very, I can relate with that, and my, my spiritual journey makes more sense when I think about it in that light, because when you become a child of God, you become a Christian, you are technically in the world, but you're not of the world. You are in a culture that you're not a part of. You're a part of a system and you're technically not part of that system. And so there's this conflict that exists. There's this, um, <laughs> there is this conflict that you have to manage as to how do you navigate living in two worlds? How do you navigate living in two worlds? And Jesus says to us in John 17 that I do not pray that you take them out of the world. So Jesus says, look, I mean, because we would have thought if God wants us to be so different, why doesn't he just put us in our own priest nation, in our own Christian community, all right, so that we can all be Christians and live a certain way. But the Bible says, Jesus says that, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, John 17 and 15, but that you should keep them from the evil one. He says that they are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me in the world, into the world, I have sent them into the world. So Jesus is saying, you're in this world, you're not of it, but I'm not going to take you out of it. So you have to figure out how to live in this world, how to navigate this world, how to thrive in this world, even though you're not of this world. Conflict. Talk about conflict. And so everyone in the world naturally conforms to the world. Every single person, because the world shapes your worldview, shapes your, your thought process, how you approach things, how you do stuff, how you behave, the laws, and what you say, and where you go, and how you process information, you conform to the world. To conform means to take the shape of a container. So, for example, if you have a bottle of water, and you pour water inside, the water has no choice but to conform to the shape of the bottle. And so, we all conform to the shape of the world around us. And so, when Paul is saying to us, that we, we're now saved, he's saying to us that you should not be conformed to the world. That's a very unnatural request. That's, that's, a, that's an extremely difficult thing to do because of necessity you conform to the society and the world around you. So Paul is saying to us that you are now a part of another world. Do not conform to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Very unnatural request. And so there's a pathway from conformance to transformation. There's a pathway from taking the mold and the shape of the world around you to transformation. And that pathway is the renewing of the mind. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if your mind is not renewal, by the way, renewing, present continuous, not a one-time thing, it's an ongoing process. If your mind is being renewed, then eventually you transform. You transform. So conformance is from the outside in. The world around you shapes you, makes you behave a certain way. You don't even know the reason why you do the things you do. It's because of the world. That's what the world accepts. All right? But then transformation is from the inside out. Conformance is from the outside in. Transformation is from the inside out. 
And so the salvation experience, though, affects your spirit, your soul, and your body. Stay with me. However, the moment you give your heart to Jesus Christ, nothing changes except in your spirit. Your spirit is recreated or regenerated. Your mind remains the same. Your body remains the same. No one ever answered an altar call, came to the front, raised their hand, and immediately they got a six-pack. No one ever answered an altar call, and then they grew taller. No one ever answered an altar call, and then um, they had a fairer complexion. Your body is not impacted when you, give a, when you give your heart to Jesus instantly, and your mind is not too. So if you had a destructive mindset, your mindset remains. You have a responsibility, though, to renew that mindset. So your spirit is changed immediately. Your mind needs to be renewed, and you need to present your body because ultimately you would have a glorified body. So your, your ultimate impact, the ultimate impact on your body happens in glorification. Nothing happens to your mind when you get saved. It happens to your spirit. And so you're living this life, and Paul is saying you need to start renewing your mind because it's the renewing of your mind that leads to transformation, that leads to a Christian that has broken out of the way of thinking and the conformance to the world into a trans transformed place. You need, to you need to delete your software, reinstall new software only, and continue to upgrade that software continuously so that you can operate as a transformed Christian. And God expects that this would happen because your spirit is regenerated. Your nature has changed. And God expects that your true nature will start to show forth after a, pro after a while. So for some of us, God looks at us and he is he's perplexed by the creature that we've become because he's like, your behavior is not in conformance with your nature. Your nature has changed. You have the nature of Christ. Now start to leave out, start to renew your mind so that that nature starts to present on the outside. I mean, if you ever saw a fish, okay, just out on the streets, just strolling with his hand in its pocket, you'll be like, this is a, this is a, this is a sight to see. This is madness because the nature of the fish says it should be in water. And so God looks at us and we are like fish out of water. And he's looking at us like, why have you become this creature that I cannot recognize? It's because the seed of the mind of Christ that was put in us, we haven't nourished it. We haven't renewed our mind well enough to be able to be transformed. Paul says that you should not be conformed to this world. You should be transformed, transformed by the renewing, constant renewing of your mind. And the reason why God will not take us out of this world, and I talked about this a few weeks back last month, was that is because the world needs you. He, God's agenda is to colonize the earth, is to get as many people saved as possible. So if God took us out of the world, immediately we knew Jesus. Then first and foremost, you would not even get to know Jesus because the people who brought salvation to you would have been taken out. So we need to be here. So Jesus says, you're going to stay. You're going to be here, but you need to live a different way. You need to manage the conflict between the two worlds. Your value to the world. Because guess what? You cannot be a solution to the world if you are off the world. Don't forget that the world is just like counseling, right? When two people get married and because of you know, human nature, after a while, you create problems for yourselves. It always takes a third party or a counselor to help. Even though the counselor might not be smarter than you, the reason why is because you created the problem. So it's difficult for you to see the problems that you created and solve them. And so for us also, until we are able to create and to tap into the realities of the spirit realm and bring those realities to distill 
and dispense those into applicable truths upon the earth, we don't have value to the world. So we cannot be valuable to the world around us if we are, we are not renewing our minds and if we are not transformed. And that's what Daniel was. When you look at Daniel in the book of Daniel, obviously, Daniel lived in Babylon. I talked about Babylon also weeks back. You know, Babylon has an, an ideology to deculturalize you. That's what the world around us does. Tries to brainwash you. Tries to give you an idea of how to think, how to process information. But Daniel was able to stay in Babylon, but not of Babylon. He was able to operate from a higher dimension and bring results to Babylon because he operated from a different place. You need to renew your mind. Your value to the world is only when you've been transformed. If you have not been transformed, you cannot bring value to the, to the world. If you've not renewed your mind, you cannot bring value to the world. You cannot bring value to your family as a Christian. If you're going to use the Christian dimension, if you've not been transformed. If they haven't seen you, people, your friends haven't seen you and said, there's something about you that's different. There's something about your life that's different. You're different. You've changed. It's because you've been transformed and so you can bring value to the world around you. So the world will create problems using its own way. And clearly we've seen a lot of problems that the world has created. And the solution to those problems will lie in the hands of men who are in the world, but not of the world. Who are in the world, but not of the world. And so, this, is, this whole topic, we can spend days talking about different dimensions. But I want to focus today on four ways that you have to be different from the world. Four, four specific ways that you have to be different and separate from the world. The first way you have to be different, you find that in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible says about Daniel, we're using Daniel as a case study, by the way. The Bible says about Daniel that Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The first way we have to be different from the world is our diet. What we consume, not what we eat, what we consume. Because some of you are like, are you saying, Pastor, we cannot have pizza? You can have pizza. What we consume. What we consume. Oh, my God. The world around us is bombarding us with stuff. We, the things we feed on matter. So we have to take, like Daniel did. By the way, he did this at the risk of his life. He did this understanding that I cannot ingest, I cannot consume what you guys consume. It would defile me. And so the things that feed our hearts, the things that feed your spirit, the things you see, the things you hear, the things you watch, the things you touch, the places you go to, the kind of music you listen to, okay, the information that you take in, if you do not dilute that with the word of God, you will be exactly like the people of the world. There will be zero difference between you who is a Christian and someone who is of the world because you, in, you, you, you consume the same thing. So Daniel says, please, please, I cannot eat this stuff. I can't. He asked that he, cons he take something else so that he would not defile himself. What feeds you? You watch CNN all day. I like to watch news too. That's good. But you know more news than you know scriptures. You cannot help the world around you. Whether it's real news or fake news, you're full of information about every negative thing that's happening in the world, but you're not full of scriptures. That's a problem. What feeds you? Your social media. Social media has become so toxic, right? Because some of the things you see on social media are just not edifying at all. 
at all. I mean, if you're being honest with yourself, when you're on social media, you're, you know, you find... Okay, <laughs> let me digress, but stay on point. Now, I found that sometimes, you know, you go on social media, I'm about to delete a lot, most of my social media anyways. I'm not, I'm not very active. And especially ladies these days, someone places a camera on the table and they just start to shake parts of their body that they should not. <laughs> First and foremost, when you see the camera, you think, okay, this person has something really important to say. And they just start dancing or something stupid. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? What are you pass what's the information that's being passed across here? What you ingest, what you consume is by the way, let me just stay on that point for a minute. Now, um, if I catch any member of this church, okay, I know you guys don't do that, but if I mistake, just stumble upon an account that is not edifying. I don't usually kneel down when I pray, but this time I'll kneel down to pray for you. I'll pray for your soul because that it, it just makes zero sense. I don't understand it. I can't I cannot reconcile it. What do you ingest? When you feed your mind, listen, that's one of the reasons why, and it happens to all of us, when you go to pray, you spend the first 15 to 20 minutes of your prayer trying to clear your mind. We you close your eyes. The first thing that comes to mind is one, something that you saw somewhere that you should not have seen, and you're like, okay, no, I bind that. Let me rebuke that thought. And you're trying to bring your mind back on the prayers that you're trying to pray, and then you're trying to pray again. Your mind starts to drift. You're trying to, the reason why we find it difficult to pray, and it takes us time, and, and it will only get worse, obviously, to focus in prayer, to immediately ascend into the throne room of God, is because of what we fed our minds. What do you consume? What do you see? What do you touch? Are you expecting to have a different result when you're not, you don't have a different diet? What feeds you? One of, the, one of the consecrations of John the Baptist was his diet. He had a strange diet. You would never find that in any restaurant. Locust and wild honey. Strange diet. But that man, he had a consecrated life. He had a, he had a consecrated life. And so the Bible says, as soon as he started to speak, the Bible says the multitudes thronged to him. Why? He was different. They had never heard anything like John. John did no miracles, yet the whole city went to him to be baptized in water. What was he saying? What was he saying? In the Jordan, for that matter. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, your diet must consist of a heavy dose of the word of God. You must make sure that you're taking in as much word as you're taking in crap. Because you're taking in crap whether you like it or not. Just by walking the streets sometimes, you're, you're seeing strange things. You're hearing strange things on the news. Your friend is telling you something ridiculous. So you're taking in stuff. You cannot really, you can try, but not completely isolate yourself. You're not going to have, build your own community and isolate yourself from the world. I mean, this whole social distancing is great and all that. But even with that, we're consuming more crap now than we did in the, at the beginning of the year because we're always online on social media, on Netflix, on the news, and it's bad news and tale of woe after tale of woe. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So let the word of God be your primary diet. Eat the word. Le read it. Study it. Play it. Worship music. You know, edifying stuff. Sermons. 
you have to tilt the scale because there is a bunch of junk out there and if you do not get proactive about it, you will be fed with stuff that you don't need to be fed with. All right? Listen to the Word of God. Many times, I plug my ears and I go to bed listening to my audio Bible. I wake up maybe at 3.30 a.m. I'm like, oh, this was still playing in my ears. I might have been asleep, but something is entering my spirit because I have to go face the devils of the day. I have to go work in the world and bring a perspective, bring a dimension of wisdom that is not from here, like Daniel did. So Daniel says, no, I can't eat that stuff. So our diet must be different, okay? So tell someone, your diet has to change. Your diet has to change. No matter what happens, there, there is no amount of scarcity in the whole world that would make a lion eat grass. It will, it, in some countries, in my wife's country, I've been to a zoo in my wife's country before, and the lion, the ribcage of the lion was, was showing. The lion was malnourished. And there was a lot of grass, an abundance of grass where it was. It, did not even, it didn't even cross its mind that I can eat grass. Why? It's nature. Some of us have compromised on our nature. We've compromised on our nature. The things that you're ingesting, the things that you're consuming, they're not in your nature. You are lying on eating grass. And God is wondering, what kind of creature have you become? No matter the scarcity, a lion will never eat grass. It will never happen. Its nature forbids it. So my nature forbids me to consume certain things. It's, it's just not part of my nature. The second thing, where we must be different from the world, is our laws. Our laws must be different. What laws guide your life? What are your ways? How, how is your way of life different from the world around you? In Canada, for example, um, going to the cottage or cabin is a big thing. And usually they go on Sundays. And there's no room we're going to cabin. I think it's a good idea. One of these days, our leadership will go on retreats or cabin. But on a Sunday, I'll go to cabin. I will not come to church. No, it's not possible. My laws are different. You get that? Your laws must be different. How do you live? What, is, what are the laws that govern your life? Or do you flow <laughs> with the crowd? Everything people do is acceptable by you. Everything people propose to you, you do. Your laws must be different. You're approaching the end of, a new, of, of the year. You need to make up your mind. If I'm going to be transformed, I have to be different in what I consume in the new year. I have to be different in the laws that guide my life. In Daniel chapter 6, our case study, remember? The Bible says that then these men said, they said about Daniel, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. In other words, he does not follow our laws. The, the king said, no man should pray to any other God. You should only worship the king. For the next, Daniel said, look, you are joking. Three days, I mean three times a day, it's my law. I must pray. He, Bible says he opened his window facing Jerusalem and he prayed. What are the laws that you follow that you know that are not godly? What law governs your life? I remember I was talking about when I moved to the U.S. One of the things my dad did for me when I was living home. My dad is a great man. Okay? Great man. He had this small notepad that he gave me. He gave me and gave my brother as well. I think he probably gave all of us when we left home. It's like the size of a notepad you find in a hotel. And he wrote instructions. 
you will always go to church. <laughs> Number one. Number two, <laughs> remember the son of who you are. Okay? Wrote all these things and he said, make sure you read the book of Daniel and the book of Proverbs. If you read those two books, you will be wise and you will do well. And we'll be praying for you. That's what my dad said when we're, when we're leaving home. And my dad told me, because the head of my department, my department chair, chemical engineering department in Howard at that time, the, the, the head of the department was a Nigerian professor. His name was Professor Mobolaji Aluko. And my dad said, now, don't go to America and say we're in America so you disrespect your professor. Make sure you bow when you greet him, because that's how you greet in my culture. You bow your heads when you greet the man. Remember the son of who you are. In other words, he was trying to say to me that make sure that your laws are different. That you don't show up there and start saying, hey, 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 what's up, Professor Aluko? And then the guy was like, hey, <laughs> like, are, you, are you okay? Remember the son of who you are. Three times a day, Daniel prayed, as was his custom. That's what the Bible said. It was his custom. But I want to show you something in the book of Leviticus 18. Because as soon as the people of God left Egypt, what God did was he gave them laws. Stay with me. He gave them a ton of laws, as a matter of fact. Bombarded them with laws. You shall not, you shall not. You will not, you will not. And one of the reasons why is because, and the Bible is clear about that, if he did not, they would have taken the laws of Egypt with them, and they would go live in the promised land like they did in Egypt. Or, second of all, they would have, you know, taken the culture of Canaan. So God said, this is my opportunity. I'm not going to leave you without laws. I'm going to give you laws so there is no doubt in your heart about how I expect you to live. So in Le Levitic Leviticus 18 and verse 1, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God. So do not act. This is what God says. Do not act like the people in Egypt where you used to live. So you would naturally act like where you live. Or, like the people of Canaan, where I am taking you. So, they were in between Egypt. Before they got to Canaan, God says, now let me, bra let me brainwash you. These are the laws that guide your life. If you go outside of these laws, I don't recognize you anymore. He says, you must not imitate their way of life. You must not, must not. You must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees, for I am the Lord your God. So what laws guide your life? You must be different in the laws that guide you. What are the principles that you live by as a child of God? You're in this world, but you are not of it. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're not this different, there's no distinction between you in your consumption, what you consume, and your, your laws, then you cannot be transformed, and you cannot bring value. Daniel was only able to bring so much value to Babylon because of the connection he had with the Almighty God. The third way we must be different is in our reaction. The way we react to stuff. <laughs> I realized from reading the book of Daniel that Babylon had a way of reacting to something. Whenever something happened in Babylon, the first thing they do is that they seek earthly wisdom. And after that, they seek devilish wisdom. They go to sorcerers. Your reaction must be different. Is prayer your first response or your last resort? Have you, do you start praying only after your idea has failed? Your response, your reaction must be different. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 16, this was where Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And he asked all the wise men, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the herbalists, the uh, voodoo priests in his kingdom, who can tell me my dream and give me the interpretation? And the Bible says not a single one of them could. 
He didn't ask Daniel because Daniel did not understand. It was when they started killing the people, Daniel said, listen, there is a God that reveals secrets. So Babylon turns to earthly wisdom, the wise men, turns to demonic powers, astrologers and sorcerers, first, and then to God last. How do you react to stuff? Daniel said, Daniel 2.16, Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek the mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret. Daniel, turn to God first. How do you react to stuff? When you're faced with a challenge, do you try to figure it out first? This one is very, very, this is a fine line here. Because some of you will say, well, I don't see sorcerers. But do you consider yourself a God? Do you go to yourself first to fix a problem? You know, my wife knows something about me now. I've just grown into this dimension, by the way. I wasn't always like this. No matter what I hear, come and tell me, no matter what it is, how bad the situation looks, before you speak to me and I would answer you, before I respond to you, I would, I would just be looking at you. So let me talk to God. It might take me just 30 seconds or two minutes. Say, God, what's happening here? Then I can hear anything you have to say. Otherwise, I would not give you a response until I've spoken to God. I mean, we had incidents. I mean, even during, our, during the year, someone got, I got a phone call. Oh, one of our church members has COVID. What are we going to do? Well, uh, uh, I just kept quiet. Mm, let me talk to God. Then I can come out and come and panic. <laughs> but if I speak to God first, at least it's clear where I put my hope. Do you turn to God first? Or do you put your hope in your network? In your contacts? Do you put your hope in your efforts? Do you put your hope in people? Do you put your hope in your parents? Our reaction must be different. It has to be different. It has to be different. Jesus was in the boat. He was sleeping. People were panicking. Panicking. The Bible says he was asleep. He woke up and he rebuked the storm. Is your reaction a reaction of faith? The first thing I said, turn to God first. Second thing, is, is it a reaction of faith or is it a reaction of panic? Do you first react from a place of faith like Jesus did? Jesus said, how is it that you have no faith? And they're looking at him like, faith, water in the boat? We're about to die. He says, no, your first reaction should be one of faith. Be still and know that I am God. Is your reaction a reaction of love? When someone does something to you, do you say, I'm going to show you today? Do you make up your mind, like Daniel proposed in his heart, <laughs> that I will show you my wickedness? Or is it a reaction of love? Is it a reaction of consideration, of giving grace, of extending grace to people? Do you hear things about people? Is your first reaction, let me pray for this person? Or is it, yeah, we know that's how they always behave. Good for him, good for her. I knew that was going to happen. What is your first reaction? If somebody slaps you, <laughs> do you slap and kick? <laughs> you top it up with a kick. Or do you say, I'll be praying for you, my brother. Your reaction has to be different. Our diets, what you consume. Change your diet. Increase, increase the dimension of God's word that you swallow. Ingest God's word. 
in heavy proportions heavy because the corruption in the world around us is intense you would not even you know <laughs> has it ever happened it's happened to me i'm 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 secure enough to confess it's happened to me sometimes where i reacted or i said something and i caught myself saying why where did i hear that from when did i start to speak that way and i realized i saw it somewhere i'd watched something it had entered my heart i had processed i had laughed about a particular joke and it had entered my spirit so i, I said something and i'm like what i said that i have to go tell myself something is wrong with you dilute the junk you have with word of god listen to sermons i fall asleep with sermons in my ear i'm not listening anymore i fall asleep but let it enter my spirit audio bible let it play while you're in the house because when you go out you nobody would ask your opinion whether they want to expose you to something that you don't want to be exposed to whether they want to give you misinformation and misinformation is anything that doesn't align with the word of god by the way it's not fake news <laughs> it's anything that god does not agree with is misinformation they bombard you and your spirit starts to doubt you start to become weak in faith you start to buy everything that the, the, you know your your diet your laws you must have a law that governs your life your consecration and of course i said your reaction and the last one but not the least is our language what we say what we say how we speak one of the things they tried to do to Daniel in Babylon, the first thing is that they said, let us teach them. Daniel 1.3, the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles and the young men in whom there was no blemish. Bring them. Why? That we may teach them the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Babylon will try to teach you its language. One of the things about the Jewish people that amazes me is that despite being in exile on multiple occasions, leaving their homeland, means they never lost their language. That's a miracle. If you talk to sociologists or social scientists, they tell you it's very difficult to retain language after a gen four generations in slavery. They went into Babylon, slavery, exiled, even in modern, day, modern times, they never lost their language. Our language must be different. How do you speak? Are your words seasoned, seasoned with salt? Are your words full of grace? Oh my God, this one is going to hit home. Right now, everything we say, we would say, if COVID permits. That's the language of the world. Before, we used to say, by the grace of God, or if God permits. Now, if COVID allows, we'll have a meeting. If COVID allows, we'll go on vacation. We've, 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 we've taken the language of the world before it was the grace of God if the Lord will allow me if the Lord would empower me to do it I will do it our language must be different it has to be by the way you speak people should know you are something different like when Jesus spoke every time the Bible says the people were shocked not just by what he said but how he said it the people said what manner of we've never heard any man speak like this that, they sent people to go arrest jesus they got to him they listened for five minutes they went back and said no we can't arrest such a man why we never heard any man speak like this and the people said are you now one of his disciples too the bible says when others say that there's a casting down you will say there's a lifting up we speak from a place of faith that's why the holy spirit 
the first thing the holy spirit does when it comes upon us is it gives us a new language takes control of our mouth on the day of pentecost it took control of their mouths they st- <laughs> peter oh my god look at what peter said peter got to the gate called beautiful the guy said um he says silver and gold i have not but such as i have i give you the way he spoke was different listen my life's mission is to be an echo of heaven that I'm only repeating what heaven is saying concerning the situation at any given time. That I haven't, I will speak nothing if I have heard nothing. Is to echo the, the throne room of God. The sounds of heaven is what shall come out of my mouth. If everybody says there's a casting down, I say there's a lifting up. Everybody says there's not going to be any job out there. I say if God wants me to work, nothing can stop me from working. My dad used to say, remember the son of who you are. Remember the son of who you are. You are in this world. There's conflict. The world is going to bombard you. The, the, the culture of Babylon is strong. It's going to make you conform. But you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a revolt. It's a rebellion against the world structure. Otherwise, you will be a Christian and everything you talk will be world everything you behave everywhere you behave will be worldly you would have nothing to offer the world because your platform and your frame of reference is the same but daniel will show up on the scene and say hey king hold on this was your dream not only that this is the interpretation and the man said in fact there is no god except the god of daniel until we bring that dimension to bear then what value are we adding your diet lions don't eat grass Get off some social media pages fast. If you have to delete your account, delete it. Your laws, your reaction, your language. You know, I heard someone say, a joke, but really, it's a a truth. It's a truth that Jesus never cracked a joke. And not to say, I, I actually picture Jesus hanging out with these guys, and I figured that he was funny. And he would give crack jokes in parables and say, hey, hey, Peter, you know, some kind of jokes. But that he never cracked a joke like, hey, look at this guy's big head. You know why? Because if Jesus said, look at your big head, even if your head is not big, it will become big. Right? Because we have a language. The Bible says that we are ensnared by the words of our mouths. Death and life is in the power of our tongue. How do we speak? Do we speak hope? Do we speak life? Do we speak encouragement? Or do we speak news? Do we speak COVID? Do we speak pandemic? Some of us didn't even know what a pandemic was before 2020. But now we are experts. Pandemic. The Lord is the light of my life. Whom shall I fear? Shall open the door before me. No man can shut the door. You must speak the language of heaven. Echo what God is saying concerning your situation. My challenge to you is this. If you want to be effective, if you want to be an amazement, you want to be a wonder upon the earth, you cannot bring earthly principles. You must tap into the dimension that Daniel tapped into. 
Daniel was relevant for all the generations that he was alive. They always called him because they would always run into a problem that nobody else could solve. And that's the way of God. God will set up situations that no man has the answer except someone who's a spiritual person taps into him. And Daniel would always come. And with ease, with ease, he would tell them, this is exactly what it is. It's, this is easy. This is nothing. In your family, they should look for you when there's a problem. So this guy would have a solution. We know, we know he's different. They should look for you. Bow your heads with me. We're going into a new year. Just about 10 more days, 11 more days, and we'll be knocking on the door of 2021. Make a decision. Make a decision. I plead with you. I will be different. The laws that govern my life, mm, they'll be different. The thing that I expose myself to will be different. I will make sure I fill myself with the, so much of God so that I can still reflect God. Garbage in, garbage out, right? My reaction. Let my reaction glorify God at all times. And the language I speak, the words that come out of my mouth, must be the words of someone that has been with Jesus. I would echo heaven at all times. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.